So I'm guessing at this point we all have Tinder horror stories. If not our own, we've at least heard it from our friends. If we're talking Tinder horror stories, I have one for you guys. It didn't happen to me personally, but to a friend. And I'm keeping her anonymous, so hopefully she doesn't mind. So she matched with this guy on Tinder. They got to talking. He seemed kind of cute and nice, so she invited him over. You know how it is. Everything went fine. They had a great time, but she woke up the next morning in an empty bed with her phone, her wallet, with all of her cards and money gone. Turns out he stole everything from her and left sometime in the early morning. Now, how many of you are scared about using Tinder after listening to this? And how many of you have had similar horror stories from other people to the point that you're not surprised anymore? Some of you might even be thinking, ugh, I would never put myself in that position. Why would people even date online? Well, it is no news that online dating is very popular nowadays. With it being so popular, the stereotypes surrounding it are also pretty common. These stereotypes include um, the sayings that people who date online must be very socially inept or they must have low self-esteem. Research has actually found that these stereotypes are not supported. Online dating has revolutionized the way in which we search for a partner and it has given us convenient access to a variety of potential partners. Research has found that as humans, we have a biological need for belonging in relationships. This also has an evolutionary basis to it. Today, I will be talking to you about romantic relationships. And uh, my goal here is that by the end of this podcast, you will be able to know your attachment styles in relationships, predict if your relationship is going to be long-lasting or fulfilling, and learn about the do's and don'ts of relationships. All of this will hopefully help you in figuring out what a healthy relationship should look like. So this right here is for all the people who want to know why their past relationships have ended up so badly, or how they can improve their current relationships, or what to look for in a healthy relationship. Before we go on to talk about relationships, I wanted to talk to you guys about similarity and attraction that I found really interesting. So how many of you have heard the saying that opposites attract? And how many of you have heard the saying that birds of the same feather flock together? Now, you might be wondering, so which one is it? Research suggests that We like people who are similar to us. So this includes similarity in personal characteristics, social class, education level, etc. But what I found really interesting was the fact that people tend to be attracted to people who have similar levels of physical attractiveness. Next, I want to talk to you about the social exchange theory. 
This theory states that we seek out relationships where we get maximum satisfaction, or in other words, we seek out relationships that can give us back more than what we put into it. Another way to look at this is that we want relationships where we can get more rewards than the costs we put into it. And that could mean anything, time, effort, money, etc. It is up to us to evaluate these costs and rewards and define what it means to us. If we set a high standard, or in other words, if we have a high comparison level to what we think the relationship should look like, we expect a lot more out of that relationship. This can be used to look at why some people feel very unhappy in a relationship even though their partners feel like they're doing everything that they can. This theory also suggests that when we feel like we're not getting much out of a relationship and we're only putting too much cost into it, we start to seek other relationships where we can get rewarded more. This can be used to explain why some people choose to stay in an abusive relationship while others simply would not put up with it. When we have a low standard for relationships and we don't expect much out of it, we will stay in it a lot longer and just take what we get. Another theory I want to talk about today is called the attachment theory. Attachment theory states that the early attachments that we form with our parents and caregivers from our childhood can shape the relationships in our adulthood. Relationships require a lot of work, and learning about you and your partner's attachment styles can provide you with tools needed to build a healthy relationship. It would also help you understand them more. So there are four types of attachment styles that I will talk about today. The first one is secure attachment style. People with secure attachment styles feel comfortable talking about issues as they come up. They have honest, open, and equal relationships, and this helps both partners thrive and grow together. It's not that they don't have they don't experience problems or conflicts. Rather, they practice a set of healthy habits, like effective communication and problem solving. The second attachment style is anxious or preoccupied. People with this attachment style tend to romanticize love. They're often attracted to partners they can save or those that can save them. They mistake turbulent relationships for passion. They tend to overanalyze situations and struggle from insecurities and low self-esteem. All of this stems from the lack of guidance in nurturing their individuality and the lack of healthy boundaries during childhood. People with dismissive avoidant attachment styles are emotionally distant. They can come across as self-sufficient, independent, and they avoid true intimacy. Even though space is good for two people in a relationship because it helps them grow and be themselves, um, dismissive avoidant people seek it more often 
because they avoid being vulnerable with their partner. They form very few close relationships with others despite wanting intimacy. The fourth attachment style is called fearful avoidant. People with this attachment style fear being too close or being too distant. They're overwhelmed by their own emotions and they face a lot of inner conflict in wanting intimacy and resisting it. They experience many highs and lows in relationships. They cling to their partners in rejections and they also tend to form very few close relationships. They can end up in abusive relationships. Have you ever had your heart broken by a person who could not commit? Or are you the person that can't seem to commit? Well, researchers have come up with the investment model of commitment that can help us understand why some people remain more committed than others. There are three determinants to this. The first one is satisfaction. This model suggests that people have beliefs on how satisfied they will be with their relationship in the future, and this affects the commitment to that relationship. So, the more satisfied that you are in a relationship, or the more satisfied that you see yourself being in the relationship, the more committed you are. The second determinant to this is the available alternatives people have outside of their relationships and this does not necessarily mean alternate partners it could be anything even being by themselves so weighing their satisfaction with their current partner against other alternatives also determines a person's commitment the third determinant is how invested you are in the relationship um, investments could be anything time, money, children, mutual friends, house, etc. This model suggests that the more invested you are in a relationship, the less likely you're going to leave it. We've talked about some heavy topics today, so I want to leave you on a more positive note. For the last segment of this podcast, I want to tell you how to create stronger romantic bonds. Researchers have found that sharing what's good in your life with your partner and engaging in the other partner's good news is a healthy pattern in a relationship. So the next time your partner shares some good news with you, respond to them with enthusiasm and participate in their happiness. We all know that things are always good and fun during the honeymoon phase or at the start of a new relationship, but it is equally important to continue having fun and being playful throughout the relationship and especially during the later stages. Another important aspect is looking at your partner's positive traits and celebrating them. It is important to idealize them and see their goodness even in their faults. And with that, we've come to the end of our podcast. I hope you all took away something from this today and I hope I helped you realize some things you were confused about.